I remember August of 2012 all too well. It was a particular moment of transition in my life and indeed for the lives of my classmates. Because at that point in time, we, were all we had all graduated high school and we were getting ready to embark on a new phase of life. For many, it was college. For some, it was going straight to the workforce, maybe even the military. But for myself, I was looking at the seminary, that I was getting ready to go and walk through the doors of Kendrick Glennon Seminary for the first time. Now, I had a vague idea of what the ideal was, what my eventual goal might be to discern the priesthood and perhaps be ordained a priest at the end, that I knew that very vaguely, very abstractly, but I didn't know exactly what the day-to-day -day was going to be like that I knew there was going to be a lot of coursework, I knew there, were going to, there was going to be a lot of formation, a lot of different tasks that, along the way, but how difficult were they going to be? How many different things was I going to have to do? Would there be nights where I had to sleep less so that I could get things done? All of these questions, they were questions that I had on my mind, and yet I couldn't answer them right then, but I knew that I wanted to pursue the goal nonetheless. But this probably isn't a foreign concept to most of us because so many times in life we have these profound moments of transition or we have these moments where we see the end goal or at least we see what we want, but we're not quite sure what it's going to take to get there or we're not quite sure if we have the strength or the stamina to do what it takes. But do we have that strength or that stamina? Or is it going to come from somewhere else? Does our faith offer us something more, even in the midst of our worst circumstances, or even our hardest moments, or even the most difficult tasks of our life? Perhaps that's what the liturgy and even the gospel and the readings show for us this morning. We start off this morning with the book of Genesis, and we had this book last week, and we focused on the fall in Adam and Eve, but we've moved a few generations beyond that, and we're looking particularly at Abram. Now, Abram was living in his own ancestral heritage. He was living with his father's house, as was the tradition at the time. But for a moment, the Lord approaches him and asks him to forsake all of these things, to move and to go to the land that he would show him, to move past all of this heritage, his father's house, to put them to the side and to go miles upon miles to find this new place that the Lord was going to indicate to him. What's more, he tells him all of these promises that the Lord is speaking to Abram, telling him, if you do all of these things and follow exactly what I'm telling you, all of these things are going to happen. That I'll make of you a great nation. That those who bless you, I will bless. That those who curse you, I will curse. That even nations that seek your light, that they will be blessed themselves. That all of these promises are in the future, and they're beautiful promises, but the Lord's laying them out and saying, Abram, if you do all of these things, then this is going to be the result. And notice this very last line. It's very powerful and very potent. Abram went and did as the Lord said. We may not think about it all that much, but in fact, Abram, even though this was against everything he ever knew, anything that would have been the tradition at the time, everything in his heart and soul that would have told him not to do that, that he went against those things and did what he was asked to do by the Lord simply because the Lord asked him to. Truly, there's an element of trust here. 
We move on and we hear about St. Paul in his second letter to Timothy. And he's telling Timothy in a particular way that during his ministry, he should be willing to bear his hardship for the gospel, his own share. In fact, recognizing the small way that he's been called to carry the cross. Because it can be so tempting that when Timothy enters into ministry, St. Paul's quite afraid that he's going to rely upon his own skill, his own ability, his own strength in his ministry to go forward and to proclaim the gospel. And that's not what St. Paul's ever found success in. Rather, he's telling him not to rely on his own ability, not on his own success or on his own strength, but rather on the grace that only comes through Jesus Christ. Because he wants to see success. He wants to see Timothy go out and proclaim and preach the gospel well. But he knows that it's not going to happen unless he takes the Lord with him. Unless he's filled with that divine grace that the Lord is willing to give him. If he but relies upon the Lord more fully. So St. Paul is giving that simple reminder that Timothy too needs to rely upon the Lord and his grace. Especially in those moments of hardship or those moments where things might seem bleak. Then finally we arrive at the Gospel according to Matthew, and it's a very beautiful passage, and it's one that we're likely all very familiar with, the transfiguration, that moment where Jesus and a few of his select disciples go upon the hill, and then they see Jesus transfigured with Moses and Elijah. And we know that story very well, that he goes up and that he is transfigured with Moses and Elijah. And then that we know that this is such a powerful moment and so confusing that we see Peter utter this line, Lord, it is good that we are here. Let us build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elisha. It's confusing, but it shows us just how much Peter is in love with this moment, just how much excitement and joy there is, because he wants to build these tents to keep this moment forever. He wants to lock it in and really hold tight to it, because he sees just what's happening, the glory of God and the splendor of even some glimpse of heaven just there right before his eyes. So he wants to hold on to that. He wants to keep that there in his midst forever. But it's not so, that it's not the moment for that. And in fact, there's this booming voice that comes down from heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That it takes away that peace and that joy that Peter has for just a moment. And so much so that all three of the disciples are thrown to the ground because they hear this powerful and tremendous and mighty voice. But then Jesus approaches and says, rise and do not be afraid. And in this moment, he also instructs them not to tell about this until the moment of resurrection. And this might seem rather odd. Why can't they go forward and tell what they have seen, this splendor and this glory? It's because this is attached to the resurrection, that this is a foreshadowing. This is something that points to the resurrection and that reality and that beautiful joy that is there, but it's something that they won't quite believe until that moment has uh, occurred. And so this moment, it's there, it's pointing to the resurrection, but it's not just yet. And so the disciples need to wait for a time until the resurrection has occurred, and then the transfiguration is going to make more sense in context. But as we consider, we hear all of these readings, we hear the gospel. What is it calling us to do? In those difficult and trial, those moments of trial within our own lives, where are we to turn? Well, first, we should go back and look at the book of Genesis. Because whenever the Lord is speaking to Abraham and he's speaking about where he's leading him, he's speaking about this land that's so far removed from his ancestral heritage or even from that, his father's house, that particular place of comfort and reassurance. 
But this is much like our own calling to the heavenly Jerusalem. This is much like our calling to the kingdom of heaven, that it calls us to forsake everything that is ours and to truly surrender all at the foot of the cross for the sake of the gospel, that we too should have that response just like Abraham, because he had that trust. He had the ability to have faith in God, that everything that he said, that he was going to be made a great nation, that he was going to receive blessing, all of these things that the Lord had said, will happen, that they indeed trusted in that. And so Abram went forward and he was rewarded because of that. But are we the same? Because we too are being called to a different land, that the Lord will show us where that is, and it is indeed the kingdom of heaven. But we have to have hearts that are renewed by trust in the Lord, because it can be so difficult to get to. Because the Lord is asking us to surrender so many different things that can get in the way. Sometimes it's power, sometimes it's relationship, sometimes it's prestige, sometimes it's just all of these different things that can get in the way of our relationship with God. But do we allow him to speak to us? Do we hear those promises that he's telling us about the heavenly Jerusalem, about this land that he's leading us to? Because if we don't, oftentimes we'll forsake that and we'll surrender it because we see something else. Something that feels more concrete but is so much less and indeed infinitely less than the kingdom of heaven. So that reality of Abram that is telling us that we should be willing to surrender everything else for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. But it's not going to be easy. And indeed, we know that because whenever we look at the transfiguration, it's a profound moment of power. It's a profound moment where Jesus shows just a small glimpse of his glory to the disciples at that moment. And indeed, they need that because they're getting ready to go through the crucifixion. They're getting ready to see the Lord crucified, something that is going to rend their hearts to their very core. And so they need that strength and that resilience. They need a moment of resurrection. They need to see that so that indeed they can go through all of those trials, all of those tribulations, all of those disappointments that are coming so that they can continue to endure and to be resilient so that they can see what is beyond the curtain. And indeed, it's the same for us as well, because we're not unfamiliar with disappointment. We're not unfamiliar with hardship and with difficult circumstance in this life. There's so many times in life there are things that God throws our way, or it seems like they come across our path, and they're insurmountable, that they seem like they're just so difficult to endure. And so we all but lose sight of God, or even lose sight of the kingdom of heaven, or even the grace of God in our midst. And so we start to forsake that way. We start to become sad. We start to despair. We start to become depressed because all of these things, they seem like they're all too much. But what are we to do? Do we look for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of all of that? Do we see the ways that the glory of the resurrection is punctuating our reality? The ways that it's coming into those disappointments, the ways that it's coming into those relationships, those things that are trials for us, and just simply those different crosses that we have to bear. Do we see God's glory in the way that the Lord wants to pour that out upon us? Because it's no mistake that this happens during the journey that we have through Lent. Because Lent is a moment of poverty. It's trying to get us to realize just how barren our humanity might be, bar the power of God and bar his saving grace. And that's why we need that, because we need to focus upon our Lord and our God and where he wants to enter into our reality, where he wants to enter into our disappointments, our sadness, our grief, our despair, our doubt, all of these places that the Lord wants to pour out his glory, even though we're not quite to heaven yet. 
that He wants to give us these moments, but are we bold enough to ask? And indeed, that's where St. Paul in his letter to Timothy can really hit home for each of us. Because he's reminding Timothy in that moment that he's being called to bear his hardship, his own share of hardship, for the sake of the gospel. But it's not on his own. That in fact is with, our, with the grace that comes from on high, and even from our Lord Jesus Christ. The St. Paul's reminding Timothy, and even us in a very real way, that we are not to rely on our own strength, because so many times we will despair, we'll become despondent, we'll start to resent the Lord for everything that's ever happened, because we feel like we're not strong enough. And indeed we aren't oftentimes. But the reality is that our Lord wants to pour forth His grace, He wants us to be bold enough to ask, that he wants us to see the ways that, yes, we fall short, yes, we cannot do this on our own, but in fact, if we ask the Lord for that grace, if we ask for his help, then we can. Because, my brothers and sisters, this life isn't about getting through on our own. It isn't about just kind of suffering through all of those disappointments, all of those discouragements, all of those afflictions that come come our way on our own terms and on our own strength. That's not what this is about at all. That we're indeed going to have to go through many crosses. We're going to have to go through many trials and tribulations. That much is true. But we're not left to our own. But in fact, our Lord Jesus Christ wants to remind us that he's there. He's giving us his promise. He's showing us his glory. And indeed, he's even pouring out his grace upon us if we but have hearts and souls that are ready and made new to receive that. And that's really the challenge and the reminder for each and every one of us today. Because so often in our life, we know that we have trials, we have sorrows, we have all these things that cause us distress and might even cause us a great deal of sadness. But even in all of those moments, even in the moments when we're moved to tears and we just don't know where to turn, are we relying upon our Lord more fully? Because my brothers and sisters, he offers us grace, he offers us this glory, he offers us vision to see him. We have to continue to look and to put those things aside that get in the way of that vision, that get in the way of the promises and even God's grace. And we truly have to seek him with hearts and souls made new. Each of us have sorrows, each of us have trials and different things that are going on in our life. That's not new. But what is, is the challenge of receiving God's grace. My brothers and sisters, Jesus offers his moment of glory and transfiguration to the disciples. He may not, they may not have known exactly where they were headed or how difficult it was going to be, but that didn't matter. And even in my time in seminary, I knew that it, I didn't know how difficult that was going to be, but I knew the light of Christ was leading me through. It should be the same with us, that no matter what's going on in life right now, that we continue to seek God and to seek after his glory. The transfiguration occurred. It gives us light. Brothers and sisters, let's continue to seek after that light of God's glory, even in the moments that hurt us most or make it most difficult to see that light of Christ and the kingdom of heaven.